and welcome to another episode of Health Affairs This Week. I'm Jessica Bylander. And I'm Jeff Byers. So we're a rotating cast of Health Affairs journal and blog editors talking about the health policy news that caught our eye this week. Jeff, we've been talking a lot about COVID news for obvious reasons, um, but some developments that caught your eye this week dealt with an issue we haven't talked about quite as much on the podcast, which is mergers and acquisitions in the healthcare space and what this means for health policy. So one big piece of news was that Microsoft bought an artificial intelligence company called Nuance for almost $20 billion. Why is that a big deal? Yeah, and just to give listeners uh, some perspective, on on Mondays and Tuesdays, I, I we have a Microsoft Teams meeting where I, I try to throw in links of interesting news and all the mergers and acquisitions usually just get crickets. Where, <laughs> uh, so it's kind of so happy to be on the podcast to talk about this. Uh, the Microsoft and Nuance deal is interesting because uh, a lot of tech players are trying to enter the healthcare space. Google just announced uh, it was going to try to go back into the personal health record, the EHR record space. And it failed uh, around uh, about a decade ago with its uh, Google Health PHR record. So it's really interesting. And you see companies like Facebook and Amazon and all trying these different plays in healthcare. And so this Microsoft deal is a long line of uh, tech players trying to get into the space. And with Nuance, which is a an AI-enabled uh dictation and speech recognition software. Uh, some of the some of the takes I've seen is that this can help Microsoft's uh, service building out in the healthcare space. Great. So like healthcare scribes kind of thing? Yeah, it could help healthcare scribes, physician documentation um, in the moment, that sort of thing. As we, as we have all heard in the industry, um, physicians don't love documentation. So this is a, a potential way to help that. It adds uh, to Microsoft's uh, General tech services suite. Um, yeah, and this got us thinking about healthcare mergers and acquisitions in general. There's a lot of activity in the space. We saw a recent report from the consulting firm Kaufman Hall that showed that hospital mergers are actually down at the beginning of this year, um, but the really high value kind of mega merges mergers were still happening even in the era of COVID. And they even said like COVID nineteen might um, might kind of accelerate this, the pursuit of scale, as it's called. Um, so Jeff, you used to do a lot of reporting on hospital mergers. What do you make of all this? Happy to put on my, uh, ex reporter hat, which coincidentally looks a lot like my armchair analyst hat. So please take that with the, <laughs> with a grain of salt. Um, but I thought this report, the Kaufman report was interesting. It showed that there were 79 deals in 2020 for hospital transactions, and this was down, but what the larger picture shows is that since 2010, that's where the report kind of starts off at. Since 2010, there was a a wave of mergers and acquisitions in the hospital space, kind of culminating in 2015, 2017. And you're seeing a lot less deals in that. Um, And there's a lot of different uh, reasonings probably behind that, whether it could be COVID or maybe we're just at the tail end of the merger frenzy for hospitals. Um, So that's generally what I picked out of it. Yeah, and you noted also that some hospitals that did merge are now divesting. Yeah, so there was this idea um, early in the merger wave that hospitals are trying to reach economies of scale and be one dominant player. There's a, a large, uh, I feel like, business cultural uh, institution of uh, 
monopolies in the United States of America. And uh, I think hospitals are trying that out for, for, for a little bit. So you saw the community health systems and tenants and other hospital operators of the of the nation uh, try to try to have a large, large national footprint. And uh, at least what they found is that may not have been the right case. So community health systems divested a lot of hospitals, as did tenant. And what we're kind of seeing is maybe it's now a regional play. Uh, maybe you'll see these um, regional powerhouses. So going le- it seems to be going less from a national uh, footprint to a regional powerhouses. Yeah. And I guess one of the big questions is is whether these mergers improve quality. And I guess, so what we know is mixed. According to one Kaiser Family Foundation brief, there aren't clear signs that quality gets any worse after mergers, but it also, you know, the literature doesn't show that it's routinely getting better either. Um, you know, part of that is it might take time to see results, but hospitals have been consulting for quite some time. So that's food for thought. Um, And one thing that does seem clear from the literature is that when providers consolidate, prices do go up. Um, Also, there's a lot of attention now on private equity firms buying up hospitals and other healthcare organizations. So there's some current concerns about what that means for patient care. Yeah, yeah. And I think you raise a good point of it takes a a lot of time in healthcare to actually show the results of what's been, you know, kind of brewing for a long time now. Once hospitals create deals, they actually have to integrate those two cultures. They have to have to integrate their the operations. And sometimes some organizations find that a little bit harder than others. Um, and yeah, to your point about private equity, we do have an interesting paper coming out in the May edition of Health Affairs. So be on the lookout for that. That kind of dives into private equity investment uh, into ho- into the hospital space. Yeah, private equity investment is is definitely a space to watch. It's really fascinating as we just kind of see the shift in access to to healthcare, and I think that's a lot of what these mergers and uh, new access to care avenues are coming into play. So the the Kaufman Hall piece actually writes about um, that 2021. They anticipate Kaufman Hall anticipates hospitals and healthcare organizations to focus on core business strengths and build partnerships and strengthen intellectual capital resources. And that seems to make sense as we're kind of getting into this era of, you know, the major question might be, are hospitals as needed as they used to be? Meaning, and we have to actually think about like, what hospital means and, you know, not all probably provide the same services and they're different from region to region. But Given all that, with tele, the rise of telehealth and urgent care centers and uh, retail clinics and all these sort of different areas where consumers can now get access to care for, for low acuity things a little bit easier, um, that kind of shifts the potential role of the hospital. Um, so, you know, imaging centers and, and, and large cancer care organizations aren't going to go anywhere anytime soon. But to me, again, having my armchair analyst hat on, um, that could that could be a significant shift in, in where we see services. So I see with that private equity coming in and thinking about it, their healthcare is a large amount of the GDP. So whether they're health tech services that are disrupting care or the retail clinics or hospitals themselves, um, those players seem to be coming in to like try to get a slice of that. And one other report I'll point to is that 
a rock health report that found uh, digital health funding um, was, was way up in 2020 um, to about the tune of $14 billion. Uh, and again, digital health has its own uh, definitional problems or, or idiosyncrasies, um, but that's something to be of interest and in taking note and where the money is going. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly can't imagine having, you know, major surgery in a retail clinic or um, stuff like that. But um, but I think, like you said, more telehealth, more um, kind of retail clinics for lower acuity, acuity conditions, um, the, the landscape could certainly change in the next five, 10 years. Well, that sounds like a good place to wrap up. And before we head out, I do want to say that there's been an interest in, you know, antitrust regulations in this space. Um, some have argued, as I might, that the both Obama and the Trump administrations were somewhat lax in the uh, mergers and acquisitions space. Um, the Obama d- administration did block the advocate um, North Shore potential uh, merger, and then advocate later uh, merged with Aurora. So they were seemed. Uh, interested in, in merging with someone. Um, but for the most part, there's been a lot of small deals that led to uh, larger regional footprints that m- may have slipped through the cracks. So it'll be interesting to see what the, the Biden administration does with this. But I hope, I hope you know, this, this help brings some context of when, when I'm pointing out fun merger and acquisition deals and, and the teams and why it matters. <laughs> Well, thanks so much, Jeff, for for joining me on this episode. Um, And thanks, everyone, for listening. If you like this podcast, make sure you subscribe and tell a friend. Thanks.